Hey, what's up, everybody? On this episode of Wallet Watch, I actually had the privilege of being interviewed by Casey Stegman, who's one of the leading financial educators in the United States with Mentora Group. Him and I sat down and talked about financial literacy, the proper way to prepare to buy a home, and the future of the housing market. You know, this conversation was deep. It really has a lot of foundational fundamentals that you need to know. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural edition of The Bullpen, a special video podcast series hosted by Mentoro, where we interview various uh, uh, thought leaders across the areas of personal finance. Uh, my name is Casey Stegman. I am senior vice president and one of the founding members of Mentoro. Uh, many of you are already familiar with our Run with the Bulls audio podcast. And as you know, uh, we have the opportunity to connect with uh, interesting and successful people uh, across a wide range of the personal finance spectrum. Uh, and from time to time, we come across uh, special guests who are particularly expert in a certain field or just interesting people in general. And uh, and so we created this video podcast uh, series so that we could take a deeper dive and uh, in terms of giving our uh, members uh, tips and useful information that may, uh, may benefit them in their uh, financial journey. So uh, today is one of those days, uh, and I am pleased to be joined by the Dallas mortgage man, uh, Brian McCauley. Brian is with Fairway Mortgage and is one of the top producers in the DFW area. Uh, he was recently named uh, D Magazine's Best Mortgage Professional, professional in Dallas, which is uh, obviously quite an honor. Uh, and also in 2018, he was one of the top 1% of mortgage originators in America. So uh, quite the list of accolades. Trust me, there are many more. I could go on and on. But uh, in addition to that, Brian happens to be a very close uh, personal friend of mine, somebody who I've known for a long time. So uh, Brian, privileged to have you on today. Thanks for joining us. I know you're a busy guy, so I, uh, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us today. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to chat with you and break things down and uh, try to get, give your audience as much as we can. Great, great. So uh, before we get into uh, questions, just give our audience a little background, uh, who you are, uh, where you grew up, what um, elite uh, education of higher learning you attended, uh, and just really how you got in the mortgage business uh, and uh, maybe your career path to get there. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So originally from Dallas, Texas, uh, from the Lake Highlands area, went to college at Texas Tech. Um, I've been in the mortgage space. This is my 18th year. So started out as a singular loan officer, worked my way up to a producing branch manager. We've got about 25 teammates, both in Dallas and Lubbock. Um, it's all I've ever done. It's all I kind of know. So, you know, I love the mortgage space um, for a few reasons. One, I still fundamentally believe in the American dream. I love the fact of home ownership. I think it's great for people on multiple levels. Um, you know, two, it's a nice pathway to help people understand how to create wealth. Um, and so there's just so many things with that home ownership path that I enjoy sharing with other folks. And, you know, again, year 18, still learning, still growing, still having fun, still helping a lot of families. Um, still think I got another 18 to go. <laughs> I bet you do. I have no doubt about that. So uh, many of our members at Mentoro are either renting currently or uh, are con considering buying uh, their first home. Um, we discussed the importance of saving cash and interest rates and such. Um, but what other advice could you give those folks who are looking to potentially buy their first home? Yeah. Um, financially, I would tell people, you know, run a personal budget. I'm shocked these days how many people don't pay attention to their, finan their financial position. You know, it, budgets are easy to do. How much do you make? How much do you save? How much do you give? What are your debts? You know, what's your what's your plan for retirement and all that? So that's the first part is getting the mindset of becoming a homeowner is great, but you got to get your finances in order so you won't have any hardships down the road. Second thing is, you know, when the time comes, 
income, the two most important people that'll be your best friends is a realtor and a mortgage advisor. Um, realtors are great. They're experts in the area. They know the state of the market, the pace of what's going on, more importantly, specifics about the community, the house. And so you got to find a good right-hand guy or girl. Uh, start with a realtor. Um, find somebody that you trust. Normally, that comes from a referral, somebody that has used that realtor before in the past. And then, of course, if, if you're not paying cash for a house, you need to get a home loan. You got to find yourself a good mortgage advisor to help coach you through all the strategies and the details, um, what loan products are best for you, and kind of how to navigate everything from start to finish. So those would be the the three things I would give people as a starter. Okay. So uh, I guess sort of along those lines, what uh, sorts of guidelines should a borrower consider when they're trying to figure out how much home can I afford? If they're just in that first step and, and they don't really know even a ballpark of what they can afford. What are some uh, what are some rules of thumb you guys use? So, I mean, there are bank rules and there are personal rules, right? So the bank rule says, hey, we don't really want your housing payment more than about 30% of your overall income. Uh, we don't want your total debt more than about 45 or 50. So that's easy math to do depending upon, you know, you know your own income and your debts and stuff here and there. Sometimes I tell people, you know, just because the bank will give you a pre-approval doesn't mean you should. If they give you more muscle than you're comfortable having, don't do it, right? Um, I I would always start and kind of reverse engineer and say, where are you comfortable monthly as your payment? And then what I would do is just kind of structure the purchase price, the down payment, everything on the house based off that piece. The other piece I tell people is, you know, when you're looking at buying a house, don't just get hyper-focused on the mortgage payment. What are your other debts, right? Sometimes people's other debts can sink them or put them in a worse position than the mortgage payment itself. And so pay attention to all your other debts. Um, you know, banks and personal kind of a recommendation would be making sure people have a survival fund, I think, many people get into houses and they're living check to check and they don't have any money. You got to have at least, you know, probably six months of what your survival number is. And so what I mean by that, if it costs you four grand a month for, you know, your mortgage and groceries and things like that, you need to have six months available, about 25 grand. So there are a couple things outside of the debt that I want to make sure people understand mortgage qualifications, but what I call, you know, the financial literacy piece of all your other stuff affects your ability to pay the home as well. So pay attention to that also when you're looking at getting qualified. Okay, great. Uh, very helpful. So um, many of our uh, viewers today have gone through the mortgage process. Many mm-hmm. have not. Uh, when presented with options, uh, an arm versus a fixed rate, um, help our, our viewers understand what does that mean? What are the differences between an arm, maybe the benefits, the drawbacks uh, to a traditional fixed rate mortgage? Yeah. So for the people that are looking for a mortgage, the, the takeaway on that is every mortgage need to be, needs to be tailored to the specific needs of the individual. So there are a couple things that people need to think about that their mortgage advisor will help them out with. So number one, um, the home that you're buying, is it a forever home? Okay. If it's a forever home, you probably need a forever loan. If it's not a forever home, you don't need a forever loan. And so most traditional home loans are 30-year fixed home loans. However, if somebody's going to be in a house for three, five, seven years, it's a starter home, a beginner home, they plan on you know, having a family, growing a family here and there, you might not need that. And so what an arm is, and it's a, a, an adjustable rate mortgage. It is a 30-year amortization payment schedule, but it's not fixed for the 30 years. It's fixed for a shorter period of time. Um, The benefit to that is the interest rates are cheaper. So they may get about a half a percent better on the interest rate, but it's only fixed for a short period of time. The reward is a cheaper rate with a cheaper payment. The risk is when that fixed period of time is up, that interest rate can start to adjust. 
Um, so you have to make sure that before that period of time starts to adjust, you do something with it. Sell the house, refinance, right? But there's a lot of people out there that don't need forever loans. And so if you know for sure that you're only going to be in that house for a short period of time, you might want to consider an ARM because you get all the reward with very little risk. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Very helpful. So you hear the term PMI a lot or the acronym mm -hmm. PMI a lot. What is PMI? Is it necessary? Are there ways to, to avoid it? Um, so PMI, okay, so private more, more mortgage insurance is what PMI means. So that's only on conventional loans. So what happens is when you put less than 20% down, you get a conventional loan. The government sponsor entities, you hear the word Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac online, they require private mortgage insurance until you get to a 20% equity position. It is a good and a bad thing. Um, the good thing is if private mortgage insurance didn't exist, everybody would have to put 20% down, which would restrict a lot of homeowners from potentially getting a house. So you can get as, you know, you can do as little as 3% down down right now, which is great, and that helps people get into a house and create wealth. The downside is PMI is an extra layer of insurance based on the risk factor in the equity position. So you pay a little extra insurance uh, via PMI until you get to a 20% equity position, and then it naturally falls off. A couple things about PMI. One, it's tax deductible. Two, there are two ways to get to a 20% equity position on a house, either through natural payment schedules or right now through appreciation on a home. So if you buy a house and put 5% down and the natural payment schedule doesn't fall off for seven years, that's when it's going to fall off. But you know, if your house appreciates 10, 15% in the next two years, that PMI will automatically fall off based on the natural appreciation. So it's a great thing because it helps people get in houses with less than 20% down. It adds a little bit of extra layer protection on the payment and the cost piece. But, um, you know, even though it costs a little extra, it's much cheaper than putting 20% down. Yeah, I would say net-net, uh, very positive thing. Okay, because, you know, there's can be a negative connotation to PMI probably because it's, you know, you're, you're, you're paying it not receiving much tangible benefit, but, but there is a lot of benefit to PMI. Sounds like a good thing. Um, I'm talking to my neighbor the other day, and he had recently refied a house, um, and I asked him what his rate was, and he started with, well, I bought some points. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean to, to buy points? What are the benefits to buying points? How does all that work? Yeah, okay. So for the people listening out there, everybody always think, hey, I'm going to buy a house. What's my interest rate? So there are three different styles of rates. So I'll keep this as simple as I can. So there's a natural rate. So a natural rate is what somebody actually qualifies for. Hey, I qualify for a 5% interest rate. And you've got two alternatives to those rates. You have a premium rate and a discount rate. So a premium rate means if you qualify for a 5% and you elect to say, hey, um, I want to take a 5.5% rate, there's premium in there. So what happens is the bank will actually give you money towards your closing costs and cash to close in the finish line. That's normally designed for somebody, let's say, if they've got $30,000 to their name and they've got to do $20,000 cash to close and they're like, oh, I don't want to spend all my money. Instead of taking a 5% rate, they could take a 5.5% rate and the bank would give them a $5,000 credit at the closing table. And so what would happen is opposed to bringing $20,000 cash to close, now they would only bring 15. So yes, the rate might be a little higher and the payment might be a little higher by 50 bucks, but they get to save five grand. The choice becomes the consumers at that point. What's more important to you, payment or cash flow, that's a premium piece. The discount piece that you're referring to about your um, neighbor paying d discount points. So you can get an interest rate that's actually lower than what you qualify for, you just have to pay for it, okay? So the question is, well, should I do it? 
how much does it cost and is it worth it? That's where you get into the fundamentals of the break-even. So, hey, if I have a 5% interest rate, but I want to get a 4.5% interest rate, and it costs me $3,000 to go from 5 to 4.5, and the difference is uh, $300 a month in the payment, then obviously you take the cost, which is the 3000 you divide it by the savings, 300 and that equals 10. 10, that means 10 months. That's a break-even point. So, the logic is, if you're going to be in the house for 10 months or longer, do it, because you're going to start winning the game on month 11. If you're not going to be in the house longer than the break-even point, don't do it because you're going to lose money for the total cost. So I tell people, interest rates are really just bragging rights around a barbecue grill. You have to look at the total cost overall. And so discount points are a good thing as long as you understand how much it costs, what the savings are. But the biggest component on that is what's the break-even point. If it takes you five, six, seven years, it's probably not a good fit because you're trading dollars up front to save dimes. And I think there's probably a higher and better use for that money, but it is available for those that fit that model and are going to be in the house long-term. Gotcha. Okay. So switching gears a bit, uh, it's been in the news a lot lately that the Fed has recently increased rates. Um, in all likelihood, they're going to continue to, to rise, at least in the near term. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the rise and fall of the federal funds rate, how that impacts mortgage rates, and maybe just the housing market in general? Yeah. So, you know, feds are continuing to raise rates. I think they'll do it two or three more times for the end of the year. They're just trying to get their hands around inflation and slow this thing down as much as they can. So those Fed rates are actually not directly tied to home loan rates. They're not binary. They're short-term rates. So they're things like credit cards and auto loans and things like that. Um, you know, the mortgage rates are more tied to the bond market, but they they still follow in the same footsteps and the same pattern as they start to trend up. Um, you know, the, things are just getting more expensive. And the way that they do that is they want to offset that by uh, indirectly discriminating encouraging people to spend and borrow money. Um, so it's slowing down everything and making everything more expensive. So the more expensive that it gets, the less inclined the consumer is to spend. And so they're trying to get their hands around it to slow that piece down, right? So it's trending in that direction. Um, it's going to stay that way for a while. Again, it's a temporary thing because they can't keep it there forever. If they keep it there forever, no one will spend money. If people don't spend money, then there's no growth, there's no investment opportunities, and it will come to too much of a recession and, and recede too much to where they'll have to change gears. That's going to happen. I think some of that could be based on where GDP is in the future. Some of it could be on midterm elections. We shall see. But at some point, they can't keep raising it on everybody. No one will spend. And so it'll slow things down too much overall. And then they usually reverse the engines, which is change the tax law and start bringing things back down. So it's a temporary thing. I wouldn't be too concerned. I think you'll probably see some reversing in the next probably 12 to 24 months. Uh, we'll just have to see where things trend in the meantime. I think it's interesting that uh, people our age, maybe slightly younger, uh, you know, go back and forth over a half percent or a quarter or a point when our parents uh, looked at, you know, 18 percent interest and they look at us and go, hey, what, whatever they are right now, I don't know what they are, four or five percent. Yeah relatively, historically speaking, is are still relatively low. So, um, uh, okay, so just in terms of a couple of questions that you would suggest that our members, if they're uh, looking for a mortgage professional, uh, what are maybe some of the some of the questions that they should ask a professional like yourself as they're going through the process? Uh, what do they need to be looking for? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're looking for a good mortgage advisor to start the process with, you know, the first thing you want to do is lean into somebody that you know that's gotten a home loan that had a great success story and start there. And then once you find that guy or girl, you know, I think the starting point is, hey, am I ready to buy a house? What are the suggestions as a mortgage advisor you would give me outside of finding a beautiful house in a neighborhood in there from a financial standpoint? 
point, right? Um, making sure and looking at the debt to income that they're not overstretched everywhere, just not on the house. Again, I think that's a big thing back to your point where people are concerned about a half a percent interest rate. It's 50 bucks in the payment. And meanwhile, they're spending a hundred dollars at Mika Cena on a Friday night. Uh, there are better ways to budget and invest your money elsewhere in that piece. And so get with somebody that's not just taking an application, they're giving you financial advice. So, hey, am I ready? What does that look like? Um, also make sure that they've got, again, some extra money in the bank just for a rainy day, things happen. The last thing you want as a homeowner is a hardship that puts you from check to check in a financial tough position. Um, and the, you know, the third thing is don't rush it. Right, don't rush it. Buying a house is emotional, but it's the biggest, you know, investment, biggest purchase of someone's life. And so they need to get with a lender, get all their financials in order, make sure they're fully prepared, talk about their short-term and long-term strategies and plans. And then once you get all that stuff in a row, then that's kind of when the fun part starts, when they go get with the realtor and they do the fun part, which is shopping. Shopping for a house is the fun part. Getting your credit reviewed, looking at all your tax returns is not, but it's an important piece and it needs to be done upfront. One, to pre-approve the right way, but two, set good expectations with the client and with the potential borrower because a lot of times they're running online calculators or using you know, a Zillow or a Redfin and it's inaccurate. So it can also skew the data and the expectations um, for the buyer and the borrower in the, in the beginning. So these are things they need to go through in the beginning of the process with a mortgage advisor to make sure that they've got clear expectations, but that they're set up for success. So when they go start that home buying journey, they're truly ready. Great, very good. Uh, final question. I read an interview you did with uh, Maxim recently um, discussing how homeownership can lead to financial freedom. Very interesting article. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that and, and how homeownership can lead uh, to financial freedom? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a data guy, so I like to talk about data, right? So there's a lot of things that people can buy in life, and most of them go down in value. Homes go up in value historically over a period of time. Right now, things are skyrocketing. It's in a great position. So helping people create wealth and financial freedom through home ownership is a, a wonderful avenue for people to get started, especially when a lot of people don't have any money. I mean, if people don't have 50 grand or 100 grand to stick in the stock market and let it compound for 20 years, they might have money to, you know, potentially get a down payment on the house to start. And so that natural appreciation rate in Texas is 4%. Um, obviously, it's a lot more that recently. Um, there's been some people that have made 20, 30, 40%. But what happens is, you know, you get into a place and you buy a house and your house naturally appreciates at 4% a year. So you buy a half a million dollar house, it appreciates at 4% a year. That's 20 grand a year. You stay there for five years, you're naturally going to pick up 100 grand just off the appreciation of the house. Um, so when you get, when you're able to compound numbers like that and create that kind of wealth, it's such a huge, big jump start because, you know, as human beings, we can only work so much, earn so much, save so much. But homeownership, with the appreciation rate can let somebody get a fifty or $100,000 head start. Um, and that way they can take that money when they sell the house and figure out which direction they want to go with it. Again, sometimes that's rolling it into a new home and buying a bigger one. Sometimes that's clearing out bad debt. Sometimes that's, you know, investing in the market. But it's a uh, very old school, traditional, tried and true way to help people create wealth through home ownership. Brian, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Very interesting conversation. Uh, no doubt our members will take uh, a lot of good information from this. So uh, tell our listeners how they can find you uh, if they are interested in uh, just have a few questions or maybe potentially looking to, uh, to find a mortgage professional. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, very, very helpful. If guys are looking to get you know financial advice, pre-approval, just have a conversation about your position. Uh, best course of action is probably go to the website, dallasmortgagenews.com. If you're on social. You can follow me. Handle is at Dallas Mortgage Man. Uh, I am everywhere. So anything you need, feel free to reach out. We're always here for you. Dallas Mortgage Man.
Thanks, Brian. Thanks. Brian.